Wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. Good morning. Hello from Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, yeah, still here. We will be here probably for the next three weeks or so, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Three or four weeks. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like uh, my mother finally got her surgery scheduled. Yeah. So we, we kind of know what the schedule looks like Yay. a little bit more. You know, yeah. we're so fluid. We're all, as, yeah. And it's so funny. Every time we talk to one of our colleagues or friends um, in the business or not in the business, it seems like it's like, so where are you today? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, well, we're, we're here. Um, and it is a beautiful thing yeah. to be able to do what we do it from does. wherever we are. So, yeah, it is um, uh, a couple of quick announcements that we have. Uh, Mr. Bill Elizondo will be joining us on Monday. Some of you and have heard of him. I know. He's I know. Um, uh, Bill on a drill. Got a new uh, effigy? Is that what they call it? Effigy. effigy? So yeah. those of you guys who saw Bill on a drill, I was supposed to bring did we talk about the fact about my suitcase uh probably but not everybody okay. listens every day you always I, right, feel like okay. everybody listens I, well, every day yeah sometimes i forget that's <laughs> it and, and i think that's why when you get older and you have a larger group of friends and associates that um you know people will say you've already told me that's like <laughs> i can't remember who i told okay. um but uh so in the bottom of my suitcase as we were heading to fiada was our bill on the drill that we we introduced bill on a drill on our 100th on episode. our 100th episode and um and because those of you who know bill know that he created benny on a stick mm-hmm. and benny is his um counterpart as a um niada t- t- dealer 20 groups uh he's one of the the moderators and so you know lots and lots of uh of um good laughs have been had about that so i packed it at the bottom of my suitcase because you know it has like the rigid end and i just want to make it keep it really nice because we're going to give it to benny so that benny could you know have his she means ben goodman ben goodman yeah and um you know we because we were gone for a cut we knew we were going to be gone for a couple months we packed super heavy we i i swear to you our luggage has puppies when we're traveling. Cause when I go to repack, when we're leaving somewhere, I'm like, how the heck did I Tetris all this stuff in my suitcase? And so, um, so I told Jim when we were packing to, to head to FIADA, I said, pack light, you know, let's kind of, cause we knew we were going to be picking up the car and then driving back. And, um, so we, you know, I packed everything and, and, uh, we were saying our last goodbyes and left and drove the 40 minutes to the airport. My daughter, you know, lets us out, we give a hug and I'm kind of just doing a quick take. And I was like, oh my gosh, we did so great. This looks like, wait a second, where's my suitcase. And it had been left in the living room. And so Benny on a, or a bill on a drill was left on, in the living room. So, sad. so, so was sad. everything else other than what I was wearing. Yeah. <laughs> So luckily that was, that was part was that luckily, uh, you know, we had a storage unit that I had a whole bunch of stuff in from when we packed up shop. Um, so I could go through boxes of like, these are not my favorite clothes. Cause I took all of those. Um, so long story short, yeah. um, bill on a drill is muffled at the bottom of my suitcase. And so as soon as we get back to Utah, um, Benny, you're going to s- that yeah. it'll be coming to you so bill is going to be joining us monday that was yeah. a really not a reader's digest thing about yeah, yeah sorry yeah, guys. you're not a reader's digest um, i've never one. been <laughs> um also uh next week on tuesday 
is not next week, the week after next on the 31st mm-hmm. on Tuesday, we are doing our next webinar. We do a monthly webinar last month was on, um, converting more leads into appointments that can be found right now in uh, bhphinstitute.com. And uh, so we have the next one coming up and it is on, um, it's kind of messaging. It's it's like telling how to Mm -hmm. tell a compelling story in your marketing. Mm -hmm. So it was tough to come up with the right title for that because there's a lot of things wrapped into this, but basically we're, we're trying to help dealers tell a story that will be compelling and draw customers in more mm-hmm. so than selling used cars. Yeah. So we'll talk so about that's, that. So that's coming up. And um, Troy Shear from NIA. Troy Shear and our Dave CEO, Dave Murray, mm-hmm. and, and both of them have a wealth of experience in the marketing world. Right. And, um, you know, I don't know very many uh, buyer, payer, dealers that we've talked to that have like experience in a professional way for marketing and branding and all of those kind of things. So any little bits that we can help with being able to dial in our message and be able to attract people and, um, and uh, make sure that people understand who you are. Right. So that's what we're going to be doing. So time to bring in our guests. We well, promised talk our, about the topic. Yeah. Then, we promised yeah. our uh, folks when we shared the podcast this morning, the, the announcement went out that we were going to talk shop, you know, we're going to literally yeah. talk shop and uh, talk service departments and, uh, and doing that, I reached out just last night to a dealer that we've not met. We just met him a few minutes ago before we put him backstage for the show. And, uh, he's a, a dealer in central Florida, North central. And, uh, we had some conversation on Facebook around this podcast that we recorded called tote the note. And we, mm-hmm. we had Brent Carmichael on there and we t- took on, you know, the question of, should I have a service department? Well, Rich Pratt the dealer from North central Florida chimed in and we had a conversation. So let's bring rich in. Yeah. So welcome rich. Good morning, rich. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah. So those that are involved, our broadcast, by the way, rich goes out to LinkedIn and YouTube. So there may be a few folks listening who aren't involved in those, um, buy here, pay here groups that we're all part of. But I think most of the folks that are part of the either BHP success group or BHP, BH boardroom, they've seen rich's name. He's, He's like us. We're involved in the chats and involved in the conversation there because we all know it's a great resource. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I just, and, and Rich's comments after we shared that uh, most recent podcast with Brent Carmichael yeah. about service departments, Rich chimed in and, and I just said, you know, Rich, you're, you're exactly the kind of dealer uh-huh. that uh, we think about when we record this kind of stuff, because we know dealers are out there fighting this fight, have difficult decisions to make around, should I invest in a service department? Do I want to bring on the people? You know, there's a lot of tough things to, to, to think about. And I know that you just shared that you got a lot of value out of that. By the way, first, before I uh, talk about service with you, I got to take a moment to acknowledge your service. I saw in your pro- Facebook profile that you were a, a military veteran and we're grateful Thank for you. your service. I uh, appreciate you saying that. I had pretty easy service, uh, to be honest with you. But uh, appreciate. But uh, yes, I'm a veteran. Appreciate, appreciate you saying. You that. know the willingly, the willingness to be available to call. <laughs> right. That, that means that it's like you're you're a gatekeeper. You're a watcher, and yep. I appreciate that. Yep. Um, the military is a very good uh, good to me uh, as far as everything that it taught me. So I, I got Excellent. plenty out of that out of my service as well. Excellent. Excellent. Good. Excellent. So now back to your service department. I know that you shared on the, the Facebook thread. I just read to Michelle, some of the things you shared about your own experience. You, you currently, are, you know, are in a facility that's kind of small and constricted and you're, you're trying to run service for both um, 
reconditioning cars and supporting customers after the sale and you're in the process of building new ones. So maybe share a little bit first about kind of what you took away from that um, podcast that you saw with Brent Carmichael. Um, it's as I was listening to it, every, every, every aspect you turned, you brought up applied directly to our operation. It was, uh, it's almost like you work here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so like I said, I'm like, man, these, you know, this is a very, very, uh, informed conversation and it hit home in many, many different ways. And from all the challenges that everyone has, including the quality of car, that we're even able to buy these days, uh, the price is going up and, you know, you say buying a little, a car may, needs a little more reconditioning, et cetera. Um, one thing I'm a big believer in is that the general automotive culture in America has changed a lot, even yeah. in, even in our lifetimes. Sure. You know, I come from a generation where um, a whole lot of people were interested in cars. And so, you know, it's not that, um, you know, they, I just think they were a lot more, um, more, they had a lot more ability to keep their own car serviced and everything uh, uh, than maybe they do now because you know the, the culture's shifting. You know the new, the uh, the biggest thing people are worried about now is technology in their vehicles, and uh, so we have a lot of good customers that are good people. They honestly just don't really know how to maintain their cars, and so long story longer. That's kind of what I alluded to is in my mind from here on out i don't think that that's going to change i think that it's actually going to keep going that direction in a direction where our customer base is going to um you know it may need you know if a car needs brakes they're going to have less ability to do that than maybe they ever have i mean i may be pessimistic but but i do truly believe that yeah. well as it becomes more difficult for a trained shop person yeah. attacked to do it then obviously it's going to become more and more difficult for just your regular consumer so that makes sense it makes a lot yeah. of sense yeah I, um we used to just recondition cars and i bring an example and it's probably been six eight years ago a very good customer had her car for about 14 15 months comes in and says look I, i'm probably going to ask you to miss a payment because my vehicle needs 1400 dollars worth of brakes and we're talking about a dodge durango and i'm thinking i don't know of a dodge durango that needs that much can you hand it to me and she happily hands me this estimate from the big box uh you know um, automotive shop nothing against the big box automotive shops um, but they're taught to upsell and they literally wanted to replace the brake system on this dodge durango every single solitary piece and i'm please. like well we'll carve out a little time to maybe put on a lift and see what we see. And, you know, the car needed brake rotors and, and, uh, and pads and we were able to get her along and she was happy and we were happy and we did it in a way that we didn't lose money. And, you know, I just, in my opinion, I don't, I don't see that situation changing anymore as society goes on. I mean, younger people honestly just don't have the ability to uh, service their cars anymore. I'm not saying that we keep it going for them, but even as small as we are, it seems like that situation comes up uh, uh, all the time. Well, we have a service department, so maybe there's an issue that our customer has that is in their mind a major issue. And for us, it's literally a coil pack in, in 10 minutes, if you see right. what I'm saying. That's the advantage to me. Sure. That's one of uh, many advantages. i got to tell you, uh, Jared Halstead from Arizona, who also, by the way, is a member of the National uh, board of directors for NIEDA, he's dealing with the same stuff. He's a long, long time dealer. And, you know, he's out there, you know, chiming in saying, look, I got the same problem as you got, yeah. you know, we're all kind of fighting the same fight. And of course, uh, cost of cars, you know, have jumped up 
you know, in an unprecedented way. We've seen car prices creep up in the 20 plus years I've been around it. But, you know, obviously in recent years, it's been drastic. Uh, the bottleneck has been a problem. So, so I think the other thing that I'm seeing dealers do is, you know, they're, they're taking on more body work. They're trying to bring body work in house and some of that kind of stuff that we didn't maybe used to do. And so there's just a lot of adjustments. So I think it was important. And, and Brent obviously is a really Brent Carmichael. I mean, in the podcast is, is really, you know, experienced with former dealer himself and, and a multi, you know, multi-store operation. And now, you know, many years of moderate 15 years now with NCM moderating 20 groups. So he's, he's a guy who knows this stuff, you know, more so than I do. We see it through our own clients experience. Michelle and I tend to work more on the, you know, front end operational side of their business, but obviously service impacts all parts of the, the business in the way that, you know, so, yeah, I just thought it was important. So your decision, you shared with me in the comments that you were in the process of building a new shop. Is that just for the purposes of repairs? Um, yeah, it's for, the, you know, reconditioning to begin with and repairs. I mean, we're going to keep what we have now, which, like I said, is similar to what I see in my market as far as facilities. I mean, it's for repairs. It's to also try to attract the uh, the higher end techs that, you, uh -huh. you know, that I mean, I'm a intending for it to be uh, climate controlled and, and et cetera. Um, but yes, it's, it's an investment that we're making with the thought that that's going to become a more important, you know, part of our operation. And I don't really have any aspirations of doing quote outside work or anything like that. I just, you were talking earlier about the front end and, and, but how being uh, the mechanical side of the car has as much to do that as much to do with that as anything i mean i think every every single buy here pay here dealer knows what it's like to call mrs jones for her payment and she said you know miss jones you missed your payment and well my car's doing this and my car's doing that and it becomes mm -hmm. a little bit of a, a thing for them to think they can fall back on and we're like well ma'am you know if you bring it in we'll be glad to take a look at it but so basically yes uh reconditioning first that's obviously it's the it's the restriction for everybody's business it's certainly yeah. for mine i can sell about every car i can recondition mm -hmm. <laughs> i think yeah. everybody's probably in that boat from what i see mm -hmm. um but you know uh, we also have a certain amount of time that we carve out to try to help our customers along when they have a problem or whatnot right so are there certain metrics that you look at certain numbers that you uh try to keep an eye on or what are, what are things you pay attention to in terms of performance in your service department um, honestly, you know, I, my goal again is probably right along the lines of what you guys were talking about the other day, seven, eight mm -hmm. hours per car. I don't know if that's realistic. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of a per, you know, per person. Um, you know, there's times I think we were able to do that. Um, I, I think that in the good days, that's where I was at. I'm beyond that now in our new environment between mm -hmm. you and I. Okay. Um, but it's for all the reasons you talk about, uh, uh, number one is we're, we're taking on some things maybe we wouldn't take on, whether it's a card I bought that needed a little more, or honestly, I know I'm going on a little tangent, but you know, we're recycling more repos than we used to repo. Uh -huh. I mean, than we used to recycle, we're reconditioning more of our repo, you know, before when it was easy to go get cars, well, you know, obviously a repo comes in, needs a lot of reconditioning. I'll just send it to the auction. I'll go get a nice one for a little bit more money. Now you can't find that nice one as much. So yes, it's, I mean, my metric is to try to, you know, we, we set aside Fridays for customer service. 
Awesome. So mm -hmm. we're a small operation. Yeah. But that leaves four days a week for us to get a car per person reconditioned and put up front. But I, and I'd like to say that we achieved that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest and say it's not realistic right now for us. I don't know what everyone else is experiencing. Right. <laughs> um, but, but that's it. But I mean, anyone that, I mean, you know how that goes it, you know, you're working on a car and next thing you know, is there's a, there's a part that it needs that we weren't anticipating. And now we call the dealer, that part needs to be back ordered, you know? And so it's sure. same challenge as everybody, honestly. Yeah. Those are tough things. Like, cause that's why we, we brought the conversation forward. Did you have something, Michelle, you wanted to ask? No, I'm just, I'm taking some, just, I'm just writing some, some notes down on, uh, you know, all like the time you're spending on cars and things like that. And, but one of the things that, um, can it go back just a little bit, which I think is interesting to me, um, you know, I, you, you, in the podcast that you did with, um, with Brent, it was like, what do we do to attract people? And, you know, what are we doing to keep them there? And we spoke just briefly before the broadcast and, and um, Rich, you mentioned um, that you're building this new place because people want something that is out of the elements. And I was like, Rich, you live in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, that's got to be, you know, it's a thing then, even if we're Texan, Florida, that they want to be out of the elements. Absolutely. The new car stores are providing that. Mm -hmm. Um some of the independent shops are beginning to provide that. I mean, again, things change. People's expectations yeah. in their workplace change. Um, yeah, so that's, that's you know, honestly, let's face it. Working on cars is an unpleasant experience if you're in the air conditioning. If you're out in the Florida heat or rain, it's True. extremely unpleasant. And so I don't blame anyone yeah. for or feeling that way. And so putting myself in their shoes and again, it's, you know, for the good of the business, it's to attract yeah. all the employees. I know that one thing that I do here that I think allows our type of business with a technician to separate themselves for me, we talk about the, the metrics of, of uh, expectations of, you know, how much to get done. Maybe let's just say, for instance, that it is one reconditioned car per work shift per technician. Mm -hmm. It's pretty unrealistic for me, but for the sake of conversation, we'll say that's what it is. Honestly, if I have a technician that's just reconditioning my cars, if he chooses to come in at six o'clock in the morning and not take a lunch and leave it too, and he performs the work that I need him to perform, great. Mm -hmm. If he decides to come in at 10 o'clock and take off at six o'clock if, if you see where I'm going. And one thing that I do, and, and it's not like the guy can just do whatever he wants, but I try to be very flexible with someone's hours. In other words, if they go to a regular shop and that shop opens at eight o'clock, they have to be there at eight o'clock. And if it closes at six, they got to be there at six. And that's just the way their, their operation operates. One thing that separates having a guy or, or a person that's reconditioning cars is, there's a certain workload you expect every day. So look, if you come to work here, again, we're speaking of elements. Sometimes we'll have guys that want to start earlier in the summer. So they get off before it gets really hot outside, or maybe they have a lifestyle change. Maybe mm -hmm. their wife got a different job and yeah. their daily routine completely changes up. And one thing I try to do is say, look, I can accommodate that. If something mm -hmm. happens and That's you need right. to change your schedule, we can accommodate that because realistically, we're not working around a schedule of people just bringing cars in at random. I need you to recondition X amount of cars per hour. 
Yeah. Um, and I don't that's know if good. that gets lost on other buyer or payer or even car dealers for that matter. But that's one thing that <laughs> helped me retain some people, I think, and, and over time. Well, and that's that seems to be just in general with with the with the workforce is that especially after COVID, people want that flexibility of, you know, whether it be if I have to come in work hours, um, you know, do I have to obviously with a shop, they have to come in. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're, we've seen, too, with uh, with a lot of dealers is that collectors are preferring to work from home three mm -hmm. days a week instead of, you know, as long as everything's getting done right. and, and it's getting done and, and at the same standard that that you had before that that actually is uh, and what we're seeing is that culture plays a bigger part than paycheck yeah a couple um, things to clarify on that i think uh first of all to circle back to you know people who haven't been there you know we've been enough through florida to know that it's common in smaller dealerships in florida for their service department as we're calling it to be a carport in the back yeah maybe a couple of carports if they're lucky sure. and so we're getting trying to get out of the rain which is common but we, we are working out in the temperatures you know outdoors and sometimes you know out from under the mm -hmm. carport if we're working on more than a couple cars at a time so that's kind of what i'm hearing rich describe you know just to clarify for those who haven't seen it because rich they don't work under carports in minnesota yeah, yeah. I, i'll tell you pretty much every dealer in my market is doing that. I mean, yeah. we'll have a, our 2,400 foot, uh, square foot shop when it's done will be the best facility of all nice. smaller independent dealers in my area. I'm not, but it's the truth. Literally I've obviously drive like everyone I'm sure does. You drive around and you're looking at your competition and you're looking at what kind of car they're selling and you're looking at what, you know, what kind of facility they are, have and yeah what it looks like they're doing for reconditioning and everything like that. And yeah, it's super common. And, uh, yeah, you know, we rented this place for about five years and we bought it about five years ago. And so obviously if someone's renting a renting their place and it makes a little bit of difference as well, but uh, yeah. that yeah. was a big part of us buying it, is that I could start making improvements yeah. and it's taking some time. We're getting there. And, uh, but it is a big investment. Like we could be yeah. doing other things with that money. I can assure you. Yeah. And it's a good investment in your business, I'm sure. I would also add that, you know, I, I thought about what I heard Brent talk about that survey came back. And so for those who didn't see the that podcast yet, and I'll try to remember to share the link in the in the comments on this uh, particular post so we can uh, help people find their way to that podcast. Because um, I remember when Brent shared that is that the survey results came back and said that environment was high on the list mm -hmm. of things that were important to technicians. And I remember thinking at the time, does do, do they mean when they answer that survey, the physical environment, like the building they're in, air-conditioned, mm -hmm. clean building, or do they also mean the whole work environment, atmosphere, people they work with? That wasn't clear to me. But I think we, while we can't all win on physical environment, air-conditioned, clean, you know, multi-bay shops like the franchise operators have, we can probably win on work atmosphere like you talked flexibility, about flexibility and we, we can stuff. win in that area so i mm -hmm. think we, we have to kind of decide as we meet techs and interview people like what's really important to them because i have to believe that what you're talking about in terms of home life um you know if you're if you're in an air-conditioned shop but your home life sucks right yeah <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> then yeah. uh, i think there's something to be considered there yeah. absolutely and uh like i said i i feel like that's an one advantage that we can provide that probably really right. a shop, even a service department at the new car store cannot when right. specifically when we're asking someone to recondition a car. And that, I guess that could apply to a detailer as well. 
yeah. look, you know, and in, in our mind, a detailer is going to be able to produce X amount of cars a day. And, you know, look, if you come to work for me, you know, we can change your schedule at any time to accommodate any change you have or anything like that. And, yeah. you know, yes, that's uh, your, the, uh, when you talk about the environment, physical environment, or as opposed, I'll, I'll tell you, I had a, I had a guy that worked for me for a long time and he worked at, at the new car. He came in with his resume and we're a small place. And, um, he, he gives me his resume and it's all new car store stuff. It's Ford and Chrysler and he's certified and all this stuff. And he's got all this experience. And I actually looked across and I said, I'm going to be honest with you. If you've got all this new car store experience, what, you know, why are you applying here? And his answer to me was, well, I don't want to deal with the politics. Uh, and I ended up hiring him. And as, as I got to know him, I understood exactly more what kind of person he was. And he worked great for us, believe me. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, it's when in our business, specifically on the reconditioning side, if you, uh, whether it be physically working on cars, detailing or whatever, we need you to perform a task to this car. And we need you to, to perform this amount of work per, per hour or per day, work day in our mind. And we can assign these tasks to you. You don't have to deal with the service rider. You don't have to fight over the good and bad jobs. I mean, all the stuff that goes on that probably a lot of people are familiar with in the new car store, stuff like that. And we talk about environment and that's part of the environment, you know, where we do here, our guys have their own dedicated work area that they go to every day. They don't have to share with anybody else. They have their, you know, and they, I can see that they really appreciate that compared to maybe, uh, I don't know, a new car service department where this guy and that guy are overstepping each other and all the stuff that goes on. So, you know, to me, I've always kind of thought about how I could separate myself from them in order to attract uh, quality employees, but it's still a challenge. Yeah. And I would say it's a, it's another one of those things, Rich, to where the, the world is changing. And if we ignore that, um, because what we're seeing in a post COVID environment, people figured out in COVID that, there are things that are more important sometimes than the actual paycheck Mm -hmm. or things in addition to the actual paycheck. So I think as employers and, and certainly in our service departments, which are really important area. And, you know, Brent said, if if there was one department, actually said there were two departments in my business that I'd be willing to be overstaffed. Mm -hmm. One was in service and the other was in collections. He said, so, you know, again, I would invite people to watch that episode because Brent shared a lot of mm, yeah. really valuable information there. And I know Rich told us before we started the podcast this morning that uh, he actually shared it with some of his people just so they could be assured that <laughs> you guys aren't alone, right? It, well, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, that's a great podcast and it, it was uh, hit home with me. Like I said, it's I'm listening to it and you guys are bringing up different aspects of of. Uh, service and, and how things are changing and I'm raising my hand the whole time. That's me. You're, <laughs> you're literally talking about my place. No question. And that's, yeah, you know, that's why it hit home. And again, it was comforting to know that I'm not alone because it's easy to feel alone in your struggles every day. Uh, and it's this, everything, everything has got more difficult. Yeah. And, and so, and you feel like, man, am I, am I doing this right? And everything like that. And then you guys had that podcast and it's like, well, I, it feels good not to be alone in my struggle. And uh, you go back to um, talking about how important service is. I, I happen to believe that a high percentage of drama 
drama that happens at a car lot is caught as a mechanical issue. <laughs> mm. In other words, like, I mean, theoretically, let's just say in a perfect world, we could sell a car to someone that never, that we knew would never break. How right. much easier would our lives be in a buy here, pay here operation? Yeah. Really? Sure. I mean, tremendously. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and, and so there, I don't, I don't think that it could be understated how important, like when we recondition a car, maybe somebody says, Oh, that's great. You're, you know, you're, you're really looking out for the customer. And we are, please. I don't, I won't never want to sell a bad car to a person sure. as a human being. That's just not me. Right. Um, but truthfully, we're trying to bulletproof them. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you, you know, if a car leaves your, your lot with an oil leak, guess what's going to happen? It's going to run out of oil because sure. the customers that, you know, I'm not trying to knock the customer, but I think everyone will agree. You know, we're not, uh, you know, the car's going to run out of oil if you, if you let it leave with an oil leak. So, yeah. uh, you know, again, I can't understate my opinion on how important service is and how yeah. it's going to become more important from here. I don't think that it's going to get less important by any stretch. Well, and kind of to underline what you said, you know, you described earlier when we talked about the, the thing about the brakes on that Durango, it's like, you know, mm -hmm. some, you can try to bulletproof the car, but there's still going to be some maintenance. And even the maintenance stuff is a setback for the customer. So we kind of got to be prepared to, to support that along the way. And I hear that you're prepared to do exactly that. Well, I mean, that, that's a, she's a great customer, great person on the, on the office side of things, never a problem with payment, never a problem with attitude, mm -hmm. never a problem with insurance. Mm -hmm. And when her brakes started grinding, Unlike some other people, she didn't just drive straight to me and say, my brakes are grinding. She decided I'm going to go to the big box store on the, on the big highway in town and see what it is. And of course they said, well, you need every single aspect of brakes. And, and right. uh, you know, it's just like a strong example, in my opinion, of like how we can take what's a huge problem for the customer sure. and technically uh, with the right facilities and personnel end up being a very small problem for us. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and the, the motivation is to keep that customer going, obviously, number one, sure. number two, she's not done anything wrong whatsoever, but um, number three, obviously next thing you know, is someone signing in on a car and they say, by God, Mrs. Jones told me you, you guys are the greatest. And so it does reflect the sales a million percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I, that's, that's setting that culture that, you yeah. know, what, what is it, right now your brand is we're going to, we're going to make sure that you're treated right and that we're going to get you taken care of. And, and, and I would just share with you, you know, you said it, the, you found the podcast information comforting. It's comforting to me to hear a dealer like you reinvesting and buy here, pay here. You're committed to your business. You're committed to your customers. And so mm -hmm. that's comforting for me. Well, it's good to hear you guys have a great, great information both on, on your podcast on the on the facebook pages they're very valuable I, it's uh something that even if i'm not chiming in on i pay close attention to and it's uh it's an invaluable resource and yeah it takes a lot it's um i don't there's this business is uh is not for the faint-hearted and yeah. you know, it's funny because i talk about how difficult the technician's job is which it really is it's not a pleasant job but uh, you know, it's like, is collections pleasant necessarily, you know, with right. the exception of buying cars and, and selling them, those are both, both pleasant experiences for me, but everything that it takes to do that is, uh, can be challenging. And, uh, so it's just comforting to say, well, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm so challenged. Like you bring up COVID and the change and 
culture and employee culture and all that is uh, has hit me hard to the point at times where I, again I'm questioning myself and then and the information that I get from you guys says well you know what we're we all deal with this there's no free lunch in life you know we we all have the same challenges and and uh, it's great to see how other people approach that and it's it's valuable yeah. I'm, uh, good. Not, thank you very yeah. much so I that sounds like that. a good place to to wrap up i just would say you know rich it we we jokingly said you know we we're out there in Facebook all the time. You folks must get tired of all the notifications <laughs> from Jim and Michelle three times a week. Oh, so that's why we have an unfollow button. You can always yeah. unfollow. Yeah. Please don't, time. but so, you know, yeah. we get it. <laughs> we, I mean, we, we won't cry for long, but uh, yeah, just uh, that we're, that we're trying our best to bring information yeah. that we know you guys need. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me. I hope I was able to, you know, add to the conversation, add, add to the conversation a little bit. Um, I, I think that a shop is, probably almost necessary just mm -hmm. that's just me mm -hmm. uh it's definitely a, a side of the operation that interests me greatly and i'm mm -hmm. <laughs> add to it hey jared yeah. it's rich not chris yeah you, it's kind of like all of the letters almost but not, <laughs> not <laughs> that's yeah, meant for you comments. from jared yeah. um uh, introducing you to one day yes yes Hi. Absolutely. All right. Well, have yourself a great you too. Friday, and uh, we really, really appreciate you yeah. uh, you joining us today. So, hope to see um, you in Central Florida. If you want to hold back for just a minute, and we'll be popping on once we brought once we um, uh, go off the air. Unless you need to go, go ahead and go. Okay. Oh, I'm good. I enjoyed right. it, and thanks for having me. You're welcome. Yeah. We'll talk to you in a bit. Bye. Bye. -bye. All right. So fun. I, I love this about the morning show. I reached out to Rich yeah. last night, never met him, said, Hey, how would you feel about being on the morning show? Sure. So here we, we bring a, you know, somebody from a fresh conversation. And so it's just, it's one of the things I really enjoy. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, and he gets emotional every time it's yeah. like, there's something that really hits, uh, it's close to home and, and, uh, I've told people, I said, you know, I'm the guy who I don't just cry at the sad movies. I cry at the commercials for the sad <laughs> oh, movies. Like I'm just, yeah. the emotions are really Budweiser close to the surface horses me, with so. puppy Oh yeah. No, don't, don't do it to me. <laughs> All of that kind of stuff. <laughs> hey guys, uh, appreciate everyone listening in, um, again on Monday. We have, uh, Mr. Bill Elizondo is going to be joining us and thanks, uh, George for, yeah, thanks, there. George. Appreciate you tuning and, in. And um, we always can count on uh, Karen from of those. North Carolina yeah. was here. Thanks for joining. Um, one other thing, I just wanted to let you all know, and it's kind of like a little teaser coming up. Um, something that we are working on outside of the podcast is we are working directly with NIADA to do um, something that we have we've talked about. We've done it with some of our personal clients, but we're going to take this on a much bigger, um, much bigger scale because it's we believe that 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 the what we're doing with this is going to be highly valuable. And so we've talked before about doing customer surveys where you're asking about their motivations, you know, why they chose you, what they were looking for, you know, was this a down payment or was this a you know, financing? Was this a car? You know, all these different um, little pieces that, that we, uh, that, you know, um, uh, we, we just, we found a lot of value in, in asking customers. So we're working with NIADA for a survey that's going to be going out. And so the first, there's going to be two level survey. We're going to be sending out a survey to dealers. That's just going to be really quick um, to everyone in NIADA to find out one, are you a buy here, pay here? You know, how much buy here, pay here do you do? Uh, and just sure. a couple Take of things like that. And to find out if they want to include their, 
um, their uh, dealership in this survey that we're going to be doing nationally. And so there will be some um, uh, prizes or for the customers that, hey, if you do this, you get entered into a thing. And we're not asking the dealers to put up anything because we actually have um, a vendor that's willing to help with that. And so we've we've been pulling that together, looking really forward to that piece, be watching for that, hoping, you know, sometime within the next three, four weeks that we are like, we're, it's out there. So we want you to be watching. Watch um, for that. Watch we'll for that. You know. If you are not a member of NIAEA or your state organization. and Why we, not? I, what, what? That's the Why first question. Be a member? <laughs> the second question <laughs> is if you would still like to participate participate we'll let you know and we'll be we'll be doing a lot of um of uh uh announcing and you know just letting you know where we're at with that because we would love to have people regardless of whether or not they're in NAIDA so sure. um so be watching for that or looking yeah. forward so to if that when that and, comes um, if you'll give us 90 seconds we think we can give you back something really valuable so absolutely just take, the, take absolutely. the time to do that survey for all us. right so have a great day thanks for joining us here from Guymon Oklahoma and we will see you all on Monday have a great weekend thanks